Welcome back to the Sepsitter podcast. Today's guest is Yasmin Hamaidan. Uh, she goes by uh, Yasmin Brain on Twitter. Yasmin is taking a combined degree in neuroscience, mathematics, and uh, computer science uh, at the University of Toronto. This was really fun and uh, chaotic conversation to have. Uh, generally centered around uh, neuroscience, neuroengineering, how we can use the insights from neuroscience to create interesting technology that interfaces with the brain and augments human intelligence. And uh, we also talked about the far-reaching implications of this technology, both in terms of its impact and in terms of um, the time span over which uh, this technology will be created. Like, how will the world look like 200 years in the future? What kind of world will we be looking at? Without further ado, here's Yasmin. So you go to U of T. Yes, University of Texas. University of Texas. And um, just kidding, Toronto. Yeah, are studying uh, like neuroscience, but it's not but it's not a clean neuroscience degree, right? It's it's kind of a kind of a mix of DIYing stuff. So 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 how does like, so what's what's your like, can you you explain what your uh, what your what your degree is in? What am I doing with my life? What are you, what are you doing with your life? Right. Okay. So hello, everybody. I go to the University of Toronto, not Texas. I study neuroscience and computer science, as well as some mathematics, because math is everywhere. And that's the language of the universe or multiverse, if you're into that. Um, What am I doing? I'm doing research besides just like academia. I'm doing research into memory. So two labs, one is targeted at memory, how we can find, I guess, um, like breaks in memory, and we can measure that through EEG signals. And then the other lab I'm in is a robotics lab that is concerned with computer, well, my position is concerned with computer vision for neurosurgical robots. So making sure that if you get a robot in your mind, which is the future of neurosurgery, you know, craniotomies where you open up your whole brain is just kind of crazy for now, if we can just go through your nose through a very small robot and get what what needs to be done through that. Uh, so yeah, computer vision for that, so that ro- the robots know where they are uh, in the world coordinate space of your brain. So those are the the formal things, I guess. I am doing my resume spiel. Very cool. Yeah, no, I I, I love how you uh, have have like found this opportunity where you can just build your own degree and and just dabble in all of these different different fields, right? Um, as a university as, should be as a university should be yeah um yeah I, I i guess my path through university has been more uh down a kind of a specialized uh route i electrical I mean, right engineering. electrical engineering yeah 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 um I, I i um i mean when i think about it yeah the the, the this this kind of choose your own degree thing uh would have is 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 something that that I expected from university, but but not um, uh, not necessarily something that something mm. that I got. Although um, electrical engineering, uh, there's there's plenty to learn there uh, as well, I suppose. Um, so, just out of curiosity, what attracted you to this like specific intersection of stuff? Um, I I know you mentioned math. Uh, I mean, math is math is kind of everywhere, uh, mm-hmm. but. Uh, uh, you focus on the brain. You're um, uh, obsessed with the brain. If somebody goes Love to your to your Twitter account. They can find a lot of good brain content, like 
thank you i don't know i i'd say you're 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 one of like the top brain uh, accounts in my feed at least um so what why 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 the brain uh what what uh what attracted you to the brain i guess the story all began in middle school when i was in a this was actually funny i started reflecting on this recently because people just keep asking me why are you into the brain i'm like i don't know it's just cool you know like three pound piece of fat and we're and that's all of our existence right and the ancient egyptians yeah. used to just like scoop your brain out because they thought it was like useless and they thought the heart and liver was the most important thing <laughs> anyway side tangent that's just hilarious um but yeah in middle school i was in a computer class we were making video games i went on youtube and the YouTube algorithm for the first time, I don't know if they had an algorithm back then, recommended a craniotomy. I don't know why, but it just popped up on the side. I was listening to like some dubstep music or something like that. So it was so random. Um, I saw a craniotomy on the right, top right of my corner, clicked it, and it was just like crazy to see the brain in such a vulnerable state. It was an open brain surgery, could see the brain like pulsating. And I was like, this is literally who we are as people. We're just this organ that keeps pulsating back and forth made of fat. And like this neurosurgeon was going into it, removing a tumor that was on the side of like prefrontal cortex and everything. I was just like, this is crazy that we can study this organ and see that this is like what makes me me, right? Like you think of yourself and you look down and if you played video games, you'll see like that first person perspective. When you look down, you're like, what the heck? That's like actually us, right? And that's, it can be attributed to the brain as far as we know. So that was the, like the moment it was just like, wow, this is crazy. Like it popped up in my worldview and I was like, this is really interesting. Um, from there, I just started learning more about it, uh, doing brain B, which is a competition about brain neuroanatomy. Um, from there helped build a neuroscience education nonprofit to help other more people learn more about the brain a brain dissections is like my thing on my Twitter. You'll see that the first thing on my Twitter. Also, why I got flagged from Twitter four days <laughs> into using Twitter. But it's a, it's a, it's a milestone. Um, but yeah, brain dissections was huge. I would recommend everyone do a sheep brain dissection. Um, like I want to host, like I want, I want, if everyone could have one experience, I think they should do a sheep brain dissection or something just to see that this is what you are, like just three pound piece of fat and you're not like everyone likes to think that they're special, but you're really just fat, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was just a, a culmination of things from there. And now the computer science stuff came in high school when I was building um, like art with games. It was using processing, which I don't know if you've used processing, but it creates like these really cool dynamic arts and you can make like video games and things. And then from there, I was like, this is just interesting. It's a, it's a skill set. It's a tool where you can build things. And then from there, combining things with the brain um, is just super fascinating because if you study the brain, then most likely people just think that you're going to go to medical school and become, let's say, a neurologist or a neurosurgeon, et cetera. That's what I wanted to do. I've always wanted to be a neurosurgeon. But then I realized, you know, I kind of want to have a life, not to disrespect any neurosurgeons out there, like super mad respect. If you're a neurosurgeon listening to this, first of all, tweet at me because I want to talk to you. But second of all, <laughs> um who knows sav your reach your reach is expanding right but the second is we're we're growing that's true you're growing yeah um but the second thing was just 170 hour work weeks is is crazy so um i decided not to do that and now it's just bci space right like let's use the brain let's build some things and see what we can do with it and expand on the brain because it's so malleable and it's really just electric fat and you can you know like hijack circuits and do some really cool things 
um, which we will discuss later in this episode, which is super exciting. That's where we bond, right, Sav and Michael too, because we just hypothesize. That's how, yeah, that, that's that's how uh, that's how we found each other, and uh, went off to like yeah, create a little community of like BCI a people <laughs> around us. Yeah, like a, like a little BCI cult. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that's uh, that's that's really exciting stuff. Um. <laughs> I mean, like you complain about the work hours for for neurosurgeons, but like the the leading um, uh, uh, company in in BCI is Neuralink. Uh, I, I I've heard has like some pretty aggressive work hours as well. So I don't know. I mean, if, we're creating I mean, our own if, company, and no, you know. That's true. If you create your own company, <laughs> then you set your own hours. I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. As as you were. Super random thing to kind of pick up on out of all of that, but it just made yeah. me think. Like you mentioned that the um, uh, like the Egyptians uh, scooped out people's brains because they didn't think it was that that useful. Yeah. I mean, in a way, you can look at what they were doing, and they were trying to uh, uh, preserve the person as 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 best as they could because, like you know, presumably. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for the for the mummies afterlife, afterlife else, everything, right? yeah, and 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 you can you can trace that to um to, to the modern day with with cryonics to some extent, right? Like cryonics, um, as a as a as a I don't know endeavor, uh, is 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 kind of like tr- trying to uh, trying to preserve a person as best as they can, uh, in with the hopes of uh, you know uh, not you know so that they can go do stuff in the afterlife but 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 so that but so that so that you know we can potentially revive them mm-hmm. uh uh sometime sometime down the future um but but that kind of makes me think like you know when you try to preserve something as best as you can without knowing the intricacy of the of the of the system you might end up accidentally destroying or like throwing out uh essential parts to it i, I i'm curious if mm-hmm. that's still and this is like super speculative, but 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 I'm curious if, if you have any thoughts on this. Is like if with something like cryonics, if if, if there's still something that uh, you know some kind of crucial crucial piece of, of information that gets lost. It's like if if we don't you know um, of all the things that we still don't understand about the brain and you know how so much how yeah. we we come into being. It's like. What what would you I guess like play, you know place bets on is is the thing that we're we're missing out right now and not focusing on is actually t- turns out to be super crucial for longevity. Uh, sure, for just um, yeah, I guess if, if you had to if you had to like basically mm. preserve the brain and you had to make decisions as to like well what do you you know like obviously you try to just keep it as as intact as possible, but. But um, um, I'm curious if there are any blind spots in that. So, like, are we assuming we want to bring this person back to life? Or are we just, like, preserving the brain? Because that's just, you know, formalin. I, don't th- I think formaldehyde is carcinogenic, yeah. so they don't do that anymore. But, yeah, formalin is what you usually preserve these brains with. Um, or breaking them up into the slices and things, which is what... Albert Einstein's mind, like his brain slices got stolen and now they're all over the world. Like that's the, I guess that's a a philosophical way to preserve a brain. But in terms of keeping it alive, like I know people like to go into longevity and things like that, but to me, it's just like, yo, 
people die, people live. That's the circle of life, you know. Don't mess with the the universe's favoring, you know, entropy and like overpopulation and all that. So to me, people should just live and die. And you know, my brain, your brain, uh, in terms of their manifestations, like what we build in the world, those can be our legacy. But in terms of the organ itself, you know, it's just meat, right? Like meat goes bad. Meat is meat, you know, like unless we change sure. the fabric of meat itself and we somehow find um, cow meat, for example, that can stay for like hundreds, millions of years, which I guess, I don't know, like this is someone, a question for someone who preserves meats or something like that. Um, if we figure that part out, then maybe that could be applied to the human brain, but still like just die, you know? So, 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 so you're definitely not one of those longevity people. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, you live and you die. You, you live and you die. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think with, with, with cryonics and specifically with companies like Alcor, uh, like the hope is to be able mm. to like revive people. Um, it's right. uh, the, the way that, um, this is a great wait, but why, uh, blog post, uh, that goes all into like cryonics and, and, and the analogy that like, not the analogy, but maybe like the, 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 the picture that, that Tamurban draws in that, in that post is just basically, mm. uh, uh, it, it, it it's it's like trying to put the body on pause so that so that um uh the 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 you can transport the person to another hospital like at a different time right 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 it's, it's like keeping yeah. keeping the keeping the person the organs stable. frozen yeah uh, yeah uh I, I, until there's some kind of like cure to their to their illness or maybe to to uh like you know death or aging um mm. so like a coma basically kind of kind of like a, yeah yeah um in a way i guess yeah uh mm-hmm. although at that point like you know if you're cryogenically frozen um and you're not like i guess frozen in the sense of uh uh you know kind of turned to ice because because like one of the big problems is that uh if you get ice crystals uh uh, uh forming in, in your, your blood in your body yeah. then then it can actually like yeah uh do You're a lot dead. of damage puncture you yeah yeah so so it's 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 Jeez. it's they don't really refer, refer to it as freezing as much as they they refer to it as uh, vitrification it's basically right. like turning you into like something that's like close to glass so they're just like trying to freeze your atoms in place um mm. Uh, and they make you into this piece of glass and then they like store you. So I guess like, I don't know if you'd consider that a coma, like legally you'd consider yeah, definitely. that person dead. Yeah. Uh, but oh. you know, it's, yeah. it's, uh, um, it's, it's definitely mm-hmm. in this weird, weird, uh, gray area between, between life and death because we're not sure if we can, you know. Yeah. This reminds me of people. like this, um, it's like similar, but there was this guy who I was following. He's an Italian neurosurgeon. I think Sergio Cavaro. I remember it was like in middle school and he announced, I saw it on the internet or something. He was saying that he's going to make the first um, head transplant or like brain transplant. So he moves the head of someone to the body of someone else. Right. And he just attaches them. So like he decapitates that person and puts it into a new body. And he had someone who was a quadriplegic and he was like, I have nothing to lose. So why not? Let me do it. Um, so then he went to China and he got that stuff sorted and he was like ready to do the surgery. And then the guy ended up like falling in love. He was like, oh yeah, no, too, too bad. I can't do that. But like that, that technology, if you think about it, um, I think a hundred percent or 99% that guy would have died if that 
surgery would have happened to give him mm-hmm. a longer life because like spine fusion technology just doesn't exist. It's extremely complicated for you to attach like the spine part of your your head and then like the central I guess central nervous system of the other body and then imagine your that body which is very likely would reject your head like what would you do then right because if you do a heart transplant or a lung transplant your body can reject the heart uh, can reject the lung but if your spine rejects your whole head and that's where you are as a person like then what happens so in terms of longevity maybe if you want to do that and then have some sort of organ bodies but that's ethical in and of itself um yeah there's just like this longevity stuff you know so i'd rather focus on us optimizing the brain where we are now and not go too crazy with just how the world works like anything in the this universe the laws of physics is going to age and and rot and then new things come so i don't think we should mess around with that but it's a good conversation sure that makes sense yeah and 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 it's also you know what whether there's a conversation of whether that's worth doing or not but then there's also mm-hmm. like if you look at these things realistically we're, we're probably still quite a ways away from just being able to do things like that like, it would break you know, physics like like the uh like the head transplant you mentioned or or, or reviving people in cryonics um and yeah, like the, 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 there are a lot of interesting. Uh, uh, there's a lot of interesting work to be done uh, that that is that is maybe um, sort of closer to where we are in time. You know, um, yes. Like what, what's 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 <laughs> going to be the yeah. well, yeah, like you know, um, the sort of the the, the future of brain computer interfaces. It's like how how are how are we gonna, you know, e- e- even that to some extent feels like feels like uh, uh, a science fiction a little bit. And and and, and we were talking. Mm-hmm. I remember the other day, and, and and you brought up the fact that well, you, you know, maybe you could start with uh, with, with with VR, uh, sort of making making apps in VR that that somehow um, uh, uh, interface with with the brain. And and even that uh, uh, is is something that that uh, seems uh, big deal. Like it it it's a big deal if you can do it. It it almost seems out of reach. It's like you know a little bit you know unclear as to whether that's actually possible or not and, and, and that's even before you get to something like full-blown uh, bcis like mm-hmm. uh like you want us talked about with with, with Neuralink. um but well so if, if you had to s- sort of sketch out a vision for like i don't know let's say there's some there's some exciting bci um brain computer interface technology that comes out like in the next two years um what what would that what would that sort of look like as opposed to you know the next five years or ten years like 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 how do you how do you uh, how do you see this field time advancing and and, and 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 can you paint that can you paint that picture yeah i mean that's the million dollar question right i think the next yeah. phase was like if we just look at history for quick um humans were like oh we need to put our ideas down so they started using rocks and tablets and making putting transferring their thoughts into like a physical medium and then paper came and made it easier so now volume of information increased because now you could write papers and books um then tablets came in iphone came in now you could just start putting this onto a digital thing and now other people can see these things right so it seems like that evolution, the next logical step would be from us moving from like using our, as Michael and you say, meat fingers and meat <laughs> limbs on objects to just like your mind directly. 
to the interface that you want. And it seems like the the consensus is we all like the internet. The internet is the future. Um, and that's the big thing. And AI incorporating into that is kind of the, the superpower in terms of um, like a repository of knowledge. So it seems like the next thing would be making this contactless technology similar to, and this is like the way that you can see this unfolding right now is in the disability space, like people who have ALS, classic Stephen Hawking, he could write with his, like a sensor in the inner part of his cheek, or I think later his mind, I'm not sure if he ended up having that technology, but I know it exists now, where you can write things with your mind on computers. So it seems like having a wide scale application to that for everybody um, would be the next step. But obviously, that's a really, really big step. Um, in terms of using your mind to get to that. Because at the moment, it's like you usually have to use um, something like a brain gate where you have an, a literal like electrode invasive into your mind to get some to, to get it to a result like this. And they use this in patients who have like very severe neurological disease. And so they can it's justified for them to put an electrode in their mind to get some like limbic activity because let's just say they're paralyzed. Um, but obviously we can't do that for like normal, healthy humans that don't need to get stuff into their brains, right? So having that non-invasive approach um, to get a contactless technology seems like the um, next like big step in terms of technology and like where we are as a, as a species, because that would just make things not only fast, but yeah, I don't know. What do you think would happen if everyone's like, I guess, bandwidth of thought to... Uh, words or like a word document or music or something would be like what's the benefit of having that speed versus us just typing things down because that's something well one of the one of the uh, I guess obvious things that you hit on there is is the fact that it would just reduce uh, friction I guess or it it, basically create tighter feedback loops between your intention to do something and that thing actually manifesting in reality this is a great um, uh, Nassim Taleb quote that I that I really like. Um, uh, he said that technology is at its best when it's invisible. And so yes. if, if you if you think about, you know, uh, more and more advanced technology, um, what would sort of qualify it as, as as being more advanced? Well, you could you could make the argument that it's that it's that it's more invisible. It's frictionless. You know, we, we went mm-hmm. from having, uh, yeah. uh, you know, like giant, uh, uh, you know, brick sized phones to like, you know, having like a phone. That like the Apollo computing power in your pocket. Yeah, that's crazy. yeah, yeah, exactly. So so it everything just becomes smaller, frictionless, tighter feedback loops. Um, so, so so that's 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 one that's one big advantage. But but I think. Um, mm that's i mean not as exciting as just the possibility that um i guess this ties into uh um what what uh, what i was just talking about in a way but but kind of a different emphasis on it uh just the ability to um express yourself express your thoughts uh in a way that's actually uh you know accurate like not not having to um uh you know, like fight with the machine in order to uh, get it to do what you want, basically. What are you fighting with the machine about? Well, okay. For example, um, if you want to, like these days, uh, let's say you're you're um, 
you want to solve some kind of like you're doing some data analysis, you want to solve some kind of mathematical problem, right? Um, what do you do? Well, you could write a Python script that, you know, uh, like computes some kind of thing for you, right? So like you import a data set, you do some computations, uh, mm. and then and then and then you get an output. But that workflow involves you having to take your thoughts uh, and like convert them into Python and then express them as Python uh, so that the thing compiles, runs, and gives you the, uh, the result mm -hmm. that you want. To my mind, that's kind of a level of friction because it forces you to, you know, you, you instead of just thinking about the abstraction, you, you're now thinking about, okay, how can I translate this abstraction into Python code? And right. that seems like an inherent, like friction point that, that you can that you can try to eliminate. So so it's this kind of, you know, what what when 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 we talk about um, uh, in, increasing the the you know um, I think uh, how did Elon put it like increasing the bandwidth of of communication and like shortening the latency or something like this, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, what is that increase in bandwidth going to actually give you? Well, it might give you the the ability to uh, communicate your ideas in this sort of uncompressed form and then we can actually create software that, that can then engage with these ideas right in their uncompressed form instead of having to translate them into some kind of you know uh other 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 form to to, to get right processed. so it's kind of like um i don't know if you've seen it it's like these some companies are starting to create like this product where you just type the website that you want and then it just generates the actual website you don't even have to code yeah yeah the gpt3 anything. Thing, right? with like front-end development, you just type words and it creates the things. But you're saying that with thoughts, which is kind of hard to um, like, I guess, condense because when you're thinking, you have so many thoughts and so many things. And it's and fuzzy that too. The act, yeah, exactly. It's, it's completely ambiguous. That it seems like, I don't know if you get this impression, but when I journal, for instance, I have like a thing in my mind I want to write about. But as I'm writing, more things come up that I never even thought about. Right. So mm -hmm. that to me, that point of like, if we removed all of the friction, we got exactly what we were thinking of, what like potential are we missing out on? Right. Because your mind gets exercised in a different way. You get more um, like visual, like you just get more things to play around with that. The boundaries is actually a good thing. You don't want to have not too much of a boundary or like everything is limitless because then you can't really define things as well. Um, so it's just something like I'm, I guess cognizant about if we remove all the friction completely because your thoughts might be good, but sometimes, or at least most of the time, they get influenced by external stimuli that you actually need because of friction or your like pressure to do friction. So I don't know. That's something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's a good point. I definitely agree with that. Um, th th there's a kind of sweet spot you have to you have to find. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I, I, um, David Perel, uh, one of uh, you know, my favorite writers in this, like, internet, you know, blogging, e-grifting, VR, whatever, life, right? yeah, um, yeah, yeah, he, 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 um, um, there's, like, a picture he, he put up on Twitter, uh, basically comparing, like, the dots, yeah, well, the, the, there's one about the dots, and then there's another one where it just, like, has somebody's thoughts versus somebody's writing, it's, like, somebody's thoughts is just, like, this jumbled, like, line that's just kind of going everywhere, and then the writing is just, like, very concrete shapes, right, so, yeah, it, it, in the process of writing, um, like, you think when you write, um, and, and, and so, mm -hmm. there's an example of a, of you interacting with the technology, and that technology actually improving the way that you, 
you think about things, right? Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so 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 it's so it's definitely a fine line. It's like you, you have to, you know, get rid of all of the frustrating aspects of technology, but but totally, but yeah. you still have to somehow externalize your thoughts and and uh, create an environment where you can where you can you know see your thoughts, play with them in some way, right? Mm -hmm. um, because holding them all in, inside your head will um, not very many people. Can Too much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That brings up a good point. It's like that conversation we've had about tools like Chalk Talk, where you can like write things with your finger, um, and then it just pops up on like some screen. Or if you have like a lot of ideas and you don't want to be bothered by writing them down, if there was some sort of device that could transcribe things, like how you transcribe this podcast, for example, to get a transcript at the end. That's mm -hmm. so seamless. If we can have that with thoughts that are meaningful um, and things that you want to like build on without actually having to write it down, that'd be really cool. Yeah, I agree. It's just hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure, for sure. It's it's. Uh, but that's yeah. the next step in, in BCI. You know, like that's the thing that we talk about in terms of two hundred year BCI goal. Um, like this stuff is, if we get to it, it'll be a huge milestone, and I think it will depend on a lot of like mini discoveries and maybe Nobel prizes, who knows, maybe there'll be a new field um, for the Nobel fields, like nominations each year that they have for like medicine, physics, chemistry, et cetera. Like there might just have to be an intersection for this technology that doesn't exist yet. Cause this stuff is like mind blowing and break a revolutionary in nature. So. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, well, I, but, um, there's another uh, point here, I guess, about, um, well, uh, we talk about the progress of uh, 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 sort of brain-computer interfaces and, and uh, our understanding of the brain, but a, a mm -hmm. lot of this software stuff um, uh, is, in a way, running, running in parallel. Like, one, one thing that uh, uh, mm -hmm. we've been talking more and more uh, uh, about recently is this, like, tools for thought quote-unquote community um uh that you know exists on on, on twitter and, and and everything like this and and the the people there are, aren't they're not even necessarily thinking about the brain i mean maybe some of them are but they're just thinking about how can we um uh make our software better at um uh, augmenting human intelligence mm. and so the, there, there there's an interesting way in which these two things are running parallel and and, Definitely, and, yeah. And, and, and there's a question of well, maybe you can maybe you can connect them. Yep. Um, maybe yeah. The, 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 there's there's something interesting to be done there. Um, and 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 the 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 overarching theme of all that seems to be, um, this like, yeah, just 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 like like how, like how can we build tools that that actually, um, uh sort of mm. lift us up and make us more powerful instead of like you know boxing us in and and forcing us into like particular particular workflows or like patterns of patterns of being right um but sort of moving a little bit further down the line um i mean one of the one of the one of the things you, you um you expressed is is that some um, uh basically like we need to create good non-invasive uh, BCI technology. 
so um, th- there, there's a there's a big there's a big conversation uh, going on right now, a big debate, uh, I guess, uh, as you know, tension, uh, a, a tension um, around uh, you know w- whether should we do things the uh, uh, non-invasive way or the invasive way. Um, uh, so yeah, like w- w- why why would you say that 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 um that invasive um, technology is 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 not something that's um, um, we should be focusing on it, uh, uh, like at least in the near near term. But uh, and and just right. to just define it for people, um, non-invasive technology outside of the brain. You don't have to get surgery or anything like this. It could just be like a headset you you put on. Uh, invasive technology is the opposite of that. You know, you could make a hole in your skull and then you put an electrode uh, on your uh, brain. All right. So obviously. If invasive technology was safe on the scale of LASIK, which is something, this analogy that we continuously go through, um, and I guess for context, like if we told someone 100 years ago that you would put lasers into their eye and, you know, like shave a layer of their cornea and they'd have like 20-20 vision, they think you're crazy. But now, you know, people do it and they, they don't bat an eye. If we had a level of that in, let's say, the technology that Elon Musk is making with the implant, then sure, like, let's let's do that. And if it's safe and everything. Um, actually, even then, I don't know. That's a that's another conversation. Um, but it just seems like to me the if you look at just neurosurgery, the brain in, in and of itself is extremely delicate. Like the light from the surgery itself has to be carefully, you know, like triangulated on the, the cortical field. Like they have to actually put special covers um, that diffract the light from coming and penetrating into the brain because it can damage the brain. Like it's just so sensitive. So that's just one example of all the sensitivities that you have to take into account with the mind. If you put an implant, um, the electricity, the heat, you can't heat up the brain or else that's a very bad idea. Um, and by heat and- up the brain, you mean just like, I would assume, like, even a few degrees uh, yeah. would be... Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, that would, like, you're melting. You're going to be damaging a lot of a lot of things um, in that system. So it's just one example of, um, I guess, the downfall of firmware. I mean, obviously, I'm not a firmware expert. I haven't built neural implants. So I don't know. They probably have stuff that mitigates some of these things. But to me, as an outsider looking at in a, and on this technology, if we're not also considering biohacking, um, and all these things, then for us to do a wide-scale implementation of an invasive technology, that's someone I really like said, it would turn everyone into a patient, right? Because mm-hmm. inherently you're opening someone's skull, um, putting something in. If something goes bad, then you got to go back in and, and remove that, and you're going to need a surgical team to do it and fix everything. Um, and you've taken a healthy brain, and now suddenly it's not, an, it's not a healthy brain anymore. Um, no matter how good the technology is, there will always be something that, faults and who's the person that gets a, a fault in their brain right that's a huge huge like issue um so in that in that way that dilemma will always present itself at least from where i currently see it so if we do non-invasive um yeah we're not changing the brain in any way we're not engaging in neuromodulation so changing up any sort of chemical activity nerve activity or like electrical activity um and then sort of just being like a, an outsider looking into the brain. But obviously that comes with a lot of shortcomings because if we're not so close to the brain, then we can't get as much um, info as we need. So there's downfalls in that. I want like a, an intermediary. But for now, like someone like us who wants to build something, 
we don't have like a human and a, a we're not neurosurgeons to go in and, and put something and play around with it, right? It's not mm. like building an app. You can't just have a, a surgery and do that in your thing. Like this requires big institutions um, like universities or Neuralink who does in-house research and they can just afford to do all these things. Um, then sure, like let them see what they can come up with. But for us, someone to just build things, then non-invasive seems to be like the more realistic route. I don't know. What do you What do you think? Obviously, invasive is amazing, but like we have to also be realistic. So, uh, I guess just to summarize, um, um, basically, the 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 invasive technology is in its very early stages. Yeah, we should be careful with it um and 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 we yeah. shouldn't like sort mm -hmm. of jump into that right but you know hopefully given enough time uh if it becomes uh, uh like reasonably safe to use then there might be a better better argument uh made for for invasive um yeah i i i do i do um i do agree with that to an extent um although well there, there, there are there are two different, uh, I guess, um, classes of, of people, right? There's the end users who are going to uh, get uh, some EEG headset or, or or a Neuralink implant, and then you know use technology uh, like software that's created by people. And then there are researchers, um, engineers, uh, people who uh, you know mm. uh, work with with this technology to build something new and exciting. And to me, it seems like if you're an engineer or researcher, um, the uh, invasive uh, technology just seems more exciting because you can get way better data. Um, Definitely, yeah. Right, a a and and um, you know, you, you, it's like you have great uh, 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 spatial resolution, antiparallel um, resolution, and I mean, if. Neuralink uh, actually lives up to its its uh, its 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 promise, and uh, you know eventually creates like a whole brain interface. Right, um, you're gonna have access to uh, 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 your insane cortex data. At, at like an insane level of resolution, right? And so, like, imagine imagine the kind of the kind of uh, uh, apps that you'd be able to make there and like upload to the Neuralink app store, right? Um, so from that point of view, uh, I, I see invasive as more exciting, but you know, um, from, yeah. from, uh, from a user adoption uh, point of view, yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely a harder case to make. Um, but you said maybe there, there's some kind of like intermediate approach. Yes, yes, yes. What, so I like what, that you what, said, what are you, what are you, what are you thinking? There? Okay. Yes. I mean, honestly, I don't even think the technology exists yet. The thing that will give us like, invasive level resolution without actually being invasive mm -hmm. like for instance mri before mri existed like people were just they would question like how are we going to look into the brain if we can't open the brain right but now right. we can get like some pretty pretty good brain images without ever going into the brain through magnetic fields and things so um i thought that technology was i mean eg obviously not because we can't really get temporal resolution or not temporal spatial resolution so where exactly in the brain um, activity in the brain's coming from. It's more temporal resolution, so you can get the timing. Um, I was thinking FNIRS, which is something we talked about before, functional near-infrared spectroscopy, giving you spatial and temporal resolution. But at the moment, it's not that good. 
though kernel which is like the new i guess bci company mm -hmm. did come out with a fairly exciting fnears product um, and it has so many channels i don't remember how much but maybe like sixteen thousand. i think i don't know this could be totally off um but like that level technology where we could actually change stuff in the brain through neuromodulation or something else that could be the the stuff where you could have an app store um, without ever going into the brain and change things around so like i don't think the technology exists yet but we're kind of like just in the neuroimaging part it's either you go in the brain neurosurgery or you see the brain and use uh, non-invasive stuff for it i don't think there's a mm. thing that changes besides like things like tdcs which is transcranial um stimulation from the outside so like could you give a brief explanation of what fnirs is and like how it works and why it has all these advantages uh, as, as, as compared to, uh, for example, um, electroencephalography or, or, or any of these more traditional uh, approaches? I don't, I'm not exactly, well, I don't remember exactly what FNIRS does, like how it's executed. Mm -hmm. But I know that if you are looking at EEG, for example, it just looks at the brain waves from a distance. And mm -hmm. from there, you can get good timing. So if you're looking at something like my lab does in memory, if we're looking at a stimulus that was shown for like 100 milliseconds, um, we can get a reasonably like a really good timing of what part of your brain, you know, like lit up or how fast you your attention spiked up when this object came up. Um, so that's the, the timing aspect of EEG. Um, MRI and fMRI, which is kind of similar. fMRI looks at oxygenation levels of, of the brain, like how much the parts of your brain that are being used up use more oxygen. So you can see exactly what parts of the brain are using oxygen. And that gives you a, like a, I guess, somatotopic point-to-point um, -point mapping of where things are in your mind. Uh, FNIRS combines those two. I don't know exactly how. Maybe we can duck, duck, go this really quickly. Um, but yeah, it gives you best of both worlds. But I heard that it's not that great because there's a trade-off. But I don't know, maybe Kernel has done a, a better thing. Um, let's just see. Okay, so they use near-infrared light to estimate cortical hemodynamic activity. So a combination of like blood activity and then near-infrared light to estimate these things, if that means anything to you. I'm not like an imaging specialist, but I feel like I heard that's the intermediary for this tech makes sense. but it doesn't it's not invasive so it's not really doing anything so yeah we need that that both like imaging and activity or like stimulating stuff yeah yeah and and so uh i guess uh the argument being um although not perfect mm -hmm. there's actually a lot of uh innovation still to be to, to be had in the non-invasive yeah space. definitely we can, we can you know make a lot of progress before we reach that kind of asymptote of just like it plateauing and well you know there's nothing else we can do in in the in the non non-invasive space right like that that ceiling just uh, meditation might at be this a lot point. of maybe a lot of uh like a lot higher than 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 people yeah than people think it is um yeah, yeah yeah for sure um and so the other thing i was i, I was wondering about is more along um I guess, uh, neuroscience, uh, kind of lines. Um, so the, the, um, well, I guess the, 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 the first question would be, it's like how, how, like, what would be a rough sketch of like what we know now? Like how, how much, how much do we know 
where and 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 sort of like where are the uh, like where are the like frontiers when it comes to uh, 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 like researching the brain, like some exciting uh, kind of promising new new areas uh, that um, I don't know like you think are are are, are worth pursuing. Um, Sure. Yeah. Um, I think like in general, when you look at different neuroscience journals, like they're split, there's neurophysiology, neurochemistry, neuropharmacology, like all of these molecule based approaches to understanding the brain. Um, so like in that sense, we're still learning a lot and seeing how those systems work. And obviously you've got like trillions and trillions of connections that you can explore um, and networks like DLPFC is a, a common, like a popular one, the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. There's a lot of study for that for depression um, and different like anxiety disorders there and seeing imbalances there. Uh, but there's always this thing with neuroscience. It's like you read a paper, but then it's like we kind of know, but we kind of don't know. It's like there's always this ambiguity, which sense? I think is good. Um, pardon? Like, 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 like in what sense um, do, do, do you mean that? So like it defines things and then sometimes it'll just be like, this is what we currently know, but who knows, someone else might come up with, uh, understand something different about this neurocircuitry. And then suddenly we have a new interpretation of what this network actually contributes to. So like there's always this complexity of just biology and chemistry in general. And that's like, I feel like manifest tenfold in neuroscience research, like if we're talking pure chemistry. Um, but for me, like, I think you can get... Um, lost into all of these subfields of neuroscience because the brain is just so complicated. So brain-computer interfaces um, is that space where you can actually start taking what you learn and take all these low-hanging fruit and then actually create um, a device that capitalizes on these benefits, which I think don't get capitalized on enough, right? Like research is great. People like to do things for the sake of learning. But to me, it's like if you're not doing anything with it, um, then I, I see like I see it as a lost opportunity. So I think BCI research for sure. Like I was this. I know you have the neural principles uh, of science book, right? Like the sure, 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 the classic yeah. book, it's, right? Uh, I have it too. Have it right yeah. Yes, beautiful. I have it too. It's right there. Um, <laughs> but like I was, I flipped to the BCI page, and it was like seven pages. I was like, what? Is, what is this? And a one thousand page book. There's only seven pages about BCIs and then like hundreds of pages about neurochemistry and stuff, which makes sense. I mean, to be fair, um, it's not a BCI book. Right, but, right, right. But, but I'm saying but as a field. The, 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 yeah, um, yeah, I guess like interfacing uh, is, is a exactly. big, is a big yeah, part yeah. of uh, Yeah. Yeah, so it's limited in that sense. Like that's what I'm more interested in. The neuroscience is cool, but to me it's just a lot of complexity and it's almost like a difference between a theoretical physicist and then someone who works at like CERN and is actually building things or works in the large Hadron Collider and is trying to apply that physics. So in that way, I think BCI needs to get a step up in research um, and move away from not only medical applications, because most of the research right now is targeted towards epilepsy, neurological disorders, Parkinson's disease, and all these things. And the BCI there is like insane, you know, like there's this, I watched this recent video and they had this app where you click on something and this person had an implant in their brain and it stopped the tremors of their Parkinson's. Like they were tremoring a lot mm. and to the point where they clicked a single button and then the guy could just drink his coffee normally. So like in that way, the medical part is, is really nice, but the recreational part, which I think it, we're more interested in, like listening to Spotify in your brain or... Um, having tools of thought readily accessible to your, um, I guess, thought space, um, things like that is definitely not not a thing. 
Um, though they are really cool people who do these things underground, which is very interesting, um, but not in academia, unfortunately. I think. What have been some of the like some of the more exciting projects or people that you've you've come across in that sort of like right, underground? Yes. Uh, uh, underground. Instance? I'm gonna just say Spain. Yo, I need to go, <laughs> go to a trip to Spain or I think Brazil. They have a, a very interesting neuroscience scene there that I did not expect. Or biotech scene. Like there's this one guy called uh, Ian Harbison, I think. And he's like, if you Google him, he's like the world's first cyborg or something. And this guy had like this implant. Um, or like, if you, you'll see it. If you're like, maybe just Google him now. He has like this thing, electrode coming out. It looks like an alien thing. And he literally, like yeah, like he's popular. You should definitely know about him. Um, but he ha- he literally has an antenna like this. And in his passport picture, he has the antenna coming out of his skull. And he got that done uh, through an underground neurosurgeon because obviously no one's going to agree to that um, procedure. He just wanted it because he's colorblind, so he can't see color. So then he was like, why don't I... Um... Pardon? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's colorblind and he wanted to see color and he knows, he understands the neuroplasticity of the brain, right? Like... Um, it's a side tangent. There was like a, a very popular Frontiers neuroscience paper that showed that forks and things could actually get interpreted by the brain as like a hand, similar to a hand would. Like tools would be extensions. I'm pretty sure you sent me the article. Mm-hmm. But tools, the brain interprets these tools as extensions of just like a hand or something. So he was cognizant of all these neuroplastic factors, had this electrode implanted, and his brain over time started getting used to this antenna. Let me just see what it was. So it would like send vibrations, I think, through his skull, through this antenna, through the bone. And then each of these would get translated into like electromagnetic radiation. And then from there, like different colors, like he would start to perceive color in a different way through waves, even though he's actually like colorblind. And his brain got confused in the beginning because it's like, what is happening? But over time, like he would get a vibration. He'd understand that the thing he's looking at is blue, which is crazy. Like it's just a sense. Wow. And he would like be able to get like people could send him colors throughout the world and he'd like feel them. He could feel like the seismic waves of the earth and things. So like that's just an example of sensory extension, which is extremely fascinating. You know, like we don't need to go into the brain as much as like explore these different ways to engage our senses, which normal people with normal senses don't really explore. Like, I think we take that for granted that we just like see, we hear, we don't need to extend anything, but it's only until you're forced. It seems like, for example, with not having a vision or hearing that you start getting these like really cool neuroplastic sensory extensions. Um, And like another thing, like there's this, um, I think uh, this documentary of this girl who was deaf, but she's a singer and she sings really good. Um, and she just understood, she started like using her throat as like ways to detect different waves. So her brain started associating and just understanding like waves in her throat as like C sharp, F minor, whatever. So she That's could crazy. feel, so she's like, I feel bad for you guys because you hear music, <laughs> but do you feel music? Like that's a really, really cool sensation to like feel music. So that's just the really cool stuff about um, this extension. That's uh, unfortunately limited to people who usually have disabilities because they have no option. Um, like it's, it's so crazy. Like I know this Ian Harbison guy also, or Neil Harbison guy, he has like a solar time clock in his brain. Like he can feel, 
So he feel okay. I don't know I don't understand like how this works, but he has like somehow like a rotating like twenty four hour clock, and he like depending on where he feels heat in his mind, he knows what time it is. So like, let's say the heat is here, he knows it's seven o'clock. Here it's twelve o'clock. Here's this. It's I don't know. He called it like solar crown. I remember him explaining. I was like, what the heck is that? But that's just an example. Like imagine not ever having to look at your watch. You just feel heat in your mind, like that. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I, I, I guess to some extent we cool. have um, like an internal, um, internal clock. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, 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 but, 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 but this just makes it way more, way more like literally a thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, so, so there's this it very clear exists. path that the the you um, see emerge from. You know. Um, healing people with disabilities and mm. and and finding a way to to uh to to, to, to improve their, their their lives and um you know like giving normal healthy people superpowers basically right yeah like transhumans that's, that's, that's pretty much yeah yeah that's that's pretty much what what that is yeah yeah so that that was um, just crazy when i learned about of, this there's a lot of there's a lot of crazy potential in that field for sure um, yeah, and also your sense of smell like if you just learn about the brain and start thinking of it of like what can we what can we change and what can we build from it? Um, like there's just so much that you just unfortunately don't think of if you're not coming from like a, let's say electrical engineering background or computer mm-hmm. science background where you're actually encouraged to think and build things, right? If you're a researcher and you haven't had that background, then you just sort of like explore things, but you're never really prompted to build anything of it, which is the the difference between or the benefit of like interdisciplinary fields. Like you should never just be a one expert about one thing, like have a bunch of things converge to like a creative, I guess, smorgasbord of ideas to get there. Like your sense of smell is crazy too. Like that doesn't get emphasized. Perfume, all right, cool. But like your brain can sense like trillions of smells um, and it's linked to memory. You know, why can't we have like um, bookmarks or like a smell curriculum that can help you learn things better like smell-based interfaces or bro i used to like do exams <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was like explaining this to my friend one time i was like i i tried everything to do better in school like just to get grades whatever i would spray my notes with a perfume right for like each subject and just go to the test and like spray it on my paper i would do so much better obviously it's kind of biased because it's like a one sample pool but, like there's just these little hijacks that you can do and i think if we scale them it could be Amazing. I, th- I think people do similar things with with chewing gum. Like if if you yeah. chew gum while studying, and then you chew the same flavor of gum on the exam, yes, yes, then yes. It, it it forms that that link. Uh, and and, uh, and but it's harder though for for taste. Like if you look at your sensory system, your sense of smell for some reason is just special. Like all your other organs, your senses, they go through the thalamus first, which is kind of helping with sensory processing. But your sense of smell goes through your um, emotional system. I think it was like amygdala and hippocampus first before it goes to the thalamus. And everyone's like, whoa, that's like the black sheep of neuroscience in terms of sensory systems. So if we capitalize on your sense of smell and engage with the hippocampus, good for memory, good for studying. Um, and your emotions, which we know emotions are good for memory and keeping something in long-term memory, then that's like pretty, pretty cool. Like, I think we emphasize our eyes too much. Our eyes are not that mm. crazy. I mean, they're crazy, but you know, there's other stuff too. That could be cool. 
so yeah, that's an interesting lens of neuroscience besides just reading the textbook and then just being like, okay, cool. Yeah, 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 for sure. That that's 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 really cool. I I actually didn't know that. Um, and so like like even for um something like taste, uh 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 like your 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 sense of taste is 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 way more um conventional than than your than your sense of smell. Like, um, like, like, like you'd think the, the, the these two things would be very very very, very similar to each mm. other, but but uh, but you know. Um, I mean, they are. It's just it like that, yeah. that part of the neurocircuitry is just yeah. unique that it goes to the hippocampus and amygdala before thalamus, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, who yeah, knows? For sure. And 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 so we're seeing all of this, um, you know, like the transhumanist movement and and and, and people trying to make uh, yeah, the, the, their own. Uh, um uh brain computer interface projects right now mm -hmm. and 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 so all of this um is leading towards well it, and i think like you referred to this um like previously uh what we're calling the sort of the quote-unquote 200 year bci yes. goal right the the idea being that uh uh, uh you know it, it feels like we're too early in a sense where it feels like yes. a lot of this technology is um still we're not there far yet. away uh you know maybe like 200 years away and mm -hmm. the and the the I, I guess the the mission statement of our little bci cult is like it's like okay like how can <laughs> we how can we make, make make progress on that in in in, in some sense right or, or, or like how can we how can we shorten that time but like yes what 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 does that world even even look like um you know say you you mm -hmm. time travel 200 years in the future like how how are people um like what's people's relationship to technology and specifically like uh brain computer interface uh uh, uh technology how, how, like how do you see that i mean obviously the touchless thing will happen um in terms of yeah i don't, I don't know like it's it's hard to sort of explain something that you haven't even like conceptualize or like saw a need in your life sure. like if you told people in caveman days like they're gonna have so much knowledge in their you know like in their hands through the mode of a phone they just wouldn't yeah, like, understand like, like, like try explain an iphone to to uh to uh or like a exactly exactly <laughs> right. yeah like i feel like that's where we are right now um i don't know it seems like the logical thing is just touchless technology and we can just do stuff in our minds and somehow not be sensory overloaded um or maybe you know what like the boston dynamics released this video of like their robots dancing and it looks very human-like and better than any dancing i've done in my entire life so maybe it won't even exist <laughs> maybe the robots will just take over everything um but i guess in that way touchless technology we can do everything in our minds without being overloaded um in terms of like innovation in the world it'll just be like this time the time scales for everything will just improve so drastically like we won't have to wait 50 years to learn something about the brain like the glymphatic system which helps with your brain cleaning itself at night when you're sleeping that was discovered in 2013 right like that's a pretty big deal for us mm -hmm. to learn about how our brain you know cleans itself at night from all the plaque and things for that to just be in 2013 so stuff like that will hopefully scale up in all facets like every single field everyone will just be so efficient um we'll have like robot counterparts doing all of the grunt work and knowledge work i don't know what we'll, we're gonna be doing if they replace us 
So maybe BCI won't even be relevant, right? Because we're talking about optimizing a meat, like a piece of meat at the end of the day. Um, unless we extend that to something that is superior to that format, then yeah, I don't think we're going to be relevant for for us to stick around that much longer in that context, unless we extend to something that is far superior and, and better than what we can, what we're made of essentially and like upload yeah, to a server yeah. or something. I don't know. How do you see it? Um, I mean, I, I, I have uh, I have a few ideas that that are that are kind of uh, on, on, on varying degrees of like being uh, uh, out there, and I don't know how how realistic they are. Um, well, of course, the, the the other thing I was going to say is it, it's it it can be an equally fun uh, activity to try to predict the things that actually won't change. That like we we you know even yeah, two hundred right. years in the future we won't innovate on. Like it's it's kind of cute to mm. to to. Uh, go uh uh i don't know if you've ever done this like to go look at the like predictions of what the future is going to be like from let's say like yeah. the early 20th century or something right. like this flying and, cars where are we oh flying yeah. cars uh or or, or 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 like or like uh you know uh, like humanoid uh robots right where you, you, you like you'd be able to Sophia. have uh right but like well look 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 at look at how cringy that is right and, and that's like you know um She's that's cute, that's, that's uh yeah. yeah but that's that's kind of a like a P pr stunt almost right like like you you don't have uh you know this, the this ideal world right. of the of the of the retro futuristic 50s where everybody has like a robot assistant and and, and and the Jetson style, yeah. Jetson yeah. style, right? Yeah, our virtual robot assistant is just a Roomba. If you have a Roomba, which is the vacuum cleaner. Yeah, yeah. And it, like, right. you know, bumps up against a corner and, like, gets stuck there. And it's just, um, uh, you know, the, 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 in a lot of ways, the reality in that, in, mm. in robotics at least, has been, has been very underwhelming. And right. I mean, maybe you could, you could sort of apply part of that to, stagnation or whatever but but mm. but it's also just the fact that we didn't appreciate how much complexity there was in uh the brain and just intelligence more more generally right yeah um so yeah um but 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 kind of getting back to like you know like that being said um i do have a couple couple ideas for for uh um how this future might look like um, spill the beans so we can well, look back at this video in the future and sure be like, sure um i it. guess the one big um well it's 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 several i, I guess different ideas but but it's really really the same idea um I've, I've been thinking a lot about how people's worldviews um tend to harden as they age and you go through this like I don't know, like arc in 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 life, uh, where you uh, learn a lot of things when you're young, and then it just becomes harder and harder to to learn new things in your mm -hmm. concept uh, stack, and like all of the, you know, your worldview, all of, like there's just so much information, and all of it is just like interdependent that it becomes very hard to throw all that out and just like maneuver into something completely different. Right. right. So, um, and you know the. Obviously, there are some people that are that are exceptions to to this, but that seems to be the the general trend, unfortunately. And like, I was just thinking, you know, um, maybe maybe I'm like closer to the longevity crowd uh, than you are, and and 
And I was thinking like, okay, uh, if, if, uh, if we actually seriously consider uh, immortality as, as a mm-hmm. potential thing uh, right. that might exist, like this is going to be a major problem because like, you know, even if you can live forever, like if you, um, and even if you don't, you know, age, you still look like you're like in your thirties or whatever, but your um, uh, brain, like your, your map of concepts uh, just becomes like very big and rigid and unwieldy, uh, then that's that's a major problem. Um, Is it though? That's just neuroplasticity. You need to have defined like networks of who you are as a being. You you need to have defined networks of who you are as a being, right? And but 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 that can't um, at least in in our brains um, uh, currently, it seems like that can't scale indefinitely. Like if you. In what sense? Because there's technically no limit, right? You're, you can just have like trillions of connections. It's just when you die and like you're, you just die. Or if you have dementia, then your neural neural, neural networks start to die because of just the, the faulty networking. Like there's no limit on your neuroplasticity. I mean, it like decreases over time past age 25, but it's never like gone. Like you can always learn and, and do things it depends on sort of your inner volition mm-hmm. as well so and like i guess sheer will so it depends there, there is no limit it's just kind of i guess motivation and then other factors that come in like if you're sick obviously you don't want to learn about things or something yeah yeah well, well, well there's um there's a couple of things here I, I guess more from the technical point of view the, the the question i'd have and and i don't know the answer to this is like what is the Mm-hmm. like limit of information that you can hold in your brain presumably there is some kind of limit you can't hold a number of information right but but that but that mm-hmm. has to sort of you know peak somewhere um but from a more i don't know um phenomenological point of view um there's a there's a there's an interesting thing that happens when you when you define when you like create your identity, when you define your identity, um, you basically make a bunch of like binary decisions as to like what you like, what you don't like, mm-hmm. what you think is true, what you think is not true, and um, and that just kind of builds this big sort of map of concepts that that is you, and um, you know the the more the more uh, the bigger that is and the more densely connected that is, the, the harder it becomes to, like, let's say you're wrong about one of those things, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's, it, it becomes harder and harder to, to get rid of it because it's like, okay, like all of a sudden you have to get rid of like all of these other um, concepts that might be connected to that thing, right? Sure. And when you do that, you you, you kind of, um, like you let a part of yourself die and, and you, and, 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 you know, this is neural like pruning, you're, you're, yeah. You're breaking uh, up the neurons. You, 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 connections. Your identity like change in a certain sense, right? Um and so hmm. that I I mean there's a way in which that becomes harder harder as you age, right? Um or or maybe um like let's say it doesn't, let's say you're 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 one of these people that that that, that can just like you know drop beliefs or ideas or like learn on the fly right that the, there's certain at least it seems to me may, maybe i'm completely wrong 
Um, mm -hmm. But it seems to me like that there are there are certain worldviews or there are certain approaches to life that are like fundamentally incompatible. Like if you believe deep somewhere deep inside your personality a particular thing, and then you let you, all of your other beliefs flourish from there. Mm -hmm. um, that would be incompatible with some kind of other fundamental deep belief that somebody else shares, right? Um, but I, I, the, the, the one thing, the one thing that, that I was kind of thinking of was like, well, what if you could just like swap um, these like you know conceptual like mental you know, models, mental models, and just like networks of belief, kind of like you have like different different profiles on your Netflix account, right? Um, where oh okay. Mm. Where let's say now you're, um, well, like Steve Jobs is very different from uh, uh, Albert Einstein, uh, who is very different from. Um, Every brain you know, is different, like, yeah. Uh, Leonardo Di uh, um, uh, DiCaprio, for example, right? In, in a way, they're, they're all um, like self-actualized people and w with with very specific identities, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, like be, being able to kind of like swap uh, worldviews would be would be kind of would be kind of interesting, and and that would also lead into like, well, maybe you can, you can, um, that would lead to like greater greater empathy as well, because like let's say you can, you you can kind of swap uh, like worldviews or beliefs with like one of your friends, and you could, you, you could, there'd be some kind of fundamental like um, I guess part that would still that would still be you, some kind of you know like observer. What is that part that, though? That's a good question. That's, yeah. that's a yeah. I, I I'm not I'm not I'm not quite sure. Uh, not quite sure what 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 that would be, right? But that's the classic um, like mind body problem. Rene Descartes was like that's true. the like the soul is the he said that it's the pituitary gland because that's the only part in the brain that's not split in half. If you look at the brain, everything is mirrored on both sides except for the pituitary gland. It's one thing. He said like that's the soul of the person because you have to like look outward into your senses and into your brain and like kind of what you're describing if we're if you can jump from one worldview to another of like other people. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's kind of like problematic because how do you make sure that you're the observer and your sense of self is still there if you're actually changing your mind? Like, are we talking psychology or actually like take their neural 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 networks and put them in my brain kind of thing i don't know exactly how you would how you would implement this because that's the, the implementation of this would 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 have uh well is it the internet though take um, your data doubles like if i look at your twitter profile i can get a sense of like what you think of what your beliefs are obviously not your like deep beliefs or anything like that but or it depends on how much you share but that's like fairly yeah like a fairly representative model of your mental models. Like, why would I need to go into your brain and see that? Right. Um, mm. Well, the, 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 big thing there would be um, uh, like what you mentioned, it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, it, 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 in some ways it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty surface level. Like you might see that I have certain beliefs, but maybe not understand exactly. Well, like, mm. why do I have the beliefs that, 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 that I have, right? Um, but why would I need to know that? Like, that's a lot of energy for someone to do. Like, imagine you wanted to know, like, everybody's sense of empathy or something. That's a lot of, like, energy to, to expend on stuff where you also have to save your brain to do other things. 
Well, but, I mean, for for me, I, I I'd say that that would that would make my understanding of the world more robust. Like, if mm. you know, instead of thinking, like one of the one of the um one of the habits that that, that is like pretty easy to get into on social media is just like you know taking a group of people and just deciding like these people are wrong um uh mm. they don't know what they're talking about right your brain loves that by the way your knowing brain, that people your brain are wrong absolutely absolutely loves it, that, it, right? it actually likes that more than you seeing other people happy like it likes you yeah. being mad at people and thinking that you're right by the way yeah anyways yeah, yeah, continue. Yeah. i'm sorry yeah well so but 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 um but but like presumably um there are things you can you um you can you can learn from these people and if you could see well exactly what what led them to like you know believe the the things that they believe mm-hmm. um that that would be useful like obviously you can do all this stuff now um you know by just like engaging with these people a lot or like reading sure. books uh thinking about it right but mm-hmm. but but this would be a way to just kind of um you know like like very quickly get get a sense of that get like, in their mind. We, we 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 talked before about about technology reducing friction uh and and, and making things more invisible right like why mm-hmm. do i have to uh read like an entire book when i can just get 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 uh sort of all of that information uh like at a glance right mm-hmm. um and so and so that kind of that kind of um yeah, that that like that um, that kind of ability, I think, would be would be really interesting. So now you, as you were talking, I was thinking of like the I guess innate part of this question is some of the if you think about it, like it's actually a safe decision to externalize our thoughts and like investigate other people's thoughts and things through a medium that's external to my brain, like brain, brain, brain. Um, <laughs> Because, for instance, if someone, like, really learns something fundamental, which you'll often find in, like, really, um, in, like, famous people's memoirs and things, some of the things that define them as people and their beliefs came from, like, traumatic events, right? Like, for instance, let's say you went to a war, and they have PTSD, and but that gave them some sort of fundamental belief of their character and identity, and you wanted to see that. If you had access to their brain, would you actually want to inflict, you know, like, the P- effects of their PTSD on yourself um, and like all of these, I guess, defining moments which can happen at detrimental times of that person's life. Like that's another thing. If you're actually like, you have to be careful for what you wish for um, because a lot of the good things, and this is something I actually noticed is when you go through like hardships, that's oftentimes the, the periods of time where you get your character defined, where you like what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, but also those experiences you shouldn't wish upon other people to experience. Mm. Like you learn from them, so you don't face those experiences. So if we got if we had access to everyone's minds, um, no one's life is perfect. And would you really want to go through someone who was neglected um, in their childhood, or someone who went to war, or someone who uh, had depression or something? Like, would you really want to experience all of that uh, in addition to your own brain? So that's a uh, that's an interesting food for thought. I'll just say that. Yeah, yeah, and and that would obviously depend uh, from from person to person, right? I, I mean, yeah. for myself personally, I I I find that very interesting. Um, yeah, but getting like PTSD, for example, just to see what that person well, but, thought but, of but versus just maybe, reading a book maybe, about them. Um, but but the same, uh, you know, two people having the same experience, um, uh, uh, 
like one of them could get PTSD while, while, like while the other person wouldn't. Uh, I mean, like right. if anything, okay. um, hmm. exposure to all of that, like, it, like if you're truly just like exposed to everything that, you know, it's like everyone can be exposed to, uh, maybe th there'd hmm. be a way in which, in which you, you like get des de like desensitized to stuff. Um, okay. Right. Where you're just like, okay, mm. yeah, um, cool. I like, I see this thing that's just like, that's been so traumatic for you. But like, I've seen this in like seven other people. <laughs> you know, it's like nothing new, right? Okay. Um, mm. So, um, the I, I mean that 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 maybe also wouldn't be ideal because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because you'd be just like you know very cynical, desensitized person. But um, I don't know. I I, I guess different people have, have different different ways of of. Um, Hmm. just dealing with information see but like all this stuff makes like you can see some value out of it if we're talking like philosophy and things but if we're being realistic in terms of how the world runs and how you know like money rules the world and whatever everything like right now institutions they want people to not think for themselves fundamentally right like they just want human capital in some ways and they just want people to feed into things but if we had everyone going on these like mini explorations um, and learning about other people, getting their own like personalities and identities and exploring things. Um, for instance, like let's just see someone who's an activist and they question authority and people are interested in why they question authority and why they think in those ways. If more people started to see that person's brain and get those same networks, then more people would be opposed to, let's say, authority or something like that. Um, and obviously the like those businesses and things wouldn't want you to have more people like that so they would they wouldn't back something like this if that makes sense like what's the the economic output or is this at the point in the future where all this doesn't even matter like everything is sustainable the robots are doing all the work so we don't really like we just have time to basically chill out until our time runs out with our bodies that it's I worth mean, it to I, do I, this. Don't, I don't know uh if like this whole idea of everything is sustainable and everything is automated and the robots do all of the work for us uh, seems to me uh, kind of optimistic and and right and, and and idealistic and and I don't know if we'd ever we'd ever get there, um, but also I think it's kind of naive to assume that like all of the social structures that we have today will persist um you know 200 years right. from now like it's mm. possible that that that, that you know the, the way that we structure um uh, governments and communities uh, will be completely different uh, uh 200 years from now and you know like the, these these things in a, in a way um like develop side by side with each other right like as technology develops that you know impact impacts the 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 um the the kind of uh social and and political structures that we can have right mm -hmm. um so i don't know uh i i i'm i'm, yeah, I'm just i'm just thinking about this purely from from point of view of like what potential uh you know scientific technology or, or like i guess like sci-fi like technology uh, mm -hmm we'd be able to have like the 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 repercussions of that are, are, are would would just be huge um also and... like i think the the engineering stuff is obviously a really big part of the bci 200 year goal but also the systems that govern and have power 
are they really going to want to like fund stuff like this, right? To create this. Maybe they just like the way that things are at the moment. So we don't really know if we're talking about such a, a drastic scale of getting like VCIs yeah. Yeah. and like prime ministers can like hack other presidents' brains and then see what, that they're going to wage a war or something. Right. So like there's this whole level of, it's cool on a consumer space and the Silicon Valley space and tech scene that we're kind of in, but what does this actually look like if we actually scale this technology to everyone else? It's very, you know, like, like could be very dangerous. Yeah. I mean, same thing with the iPhone though and phones, people you know, like you see presidents using phones and stuff. I think they use like blocks or like blackberries or something without cameras and things. I don't know, but that's just a example. If we scale it to brains, that's a whole other thing to tackle because your brain it, it it'd certainly be way more dangerous because it's like how, how how much harm can you um inflict on someone if you like hack into their iphone um yeah i mean uh you know a lot but 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 not you know um melt their brain or steal their thoughts sure <laughs> yeah it's looking or or you know like um all of the like imagine all of the different ways that like you could torture someone uh if you like hack to their brain it's just yeah. insane, right mm-hmm. um and like it, if it's anything crazy. is bad <laughs> that would be bad <laughs> um yeah there's this video i saw where there's something in your mind called the fusiform face area it's responsible for face detection and this guy they stimulated that part of that that like neural region and he's he was like your face is melting to me it's like imagine that, and we did this now. What could that look like for someone else? Like the amounts of torture. Like imagine you have a president or something, and like another president is I don't know, like torturing them, and then they see their family. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is not old. Like I'm just saying, imagine like you you stimulate the fusiform face area. This technology currently exists, and suddenly they just see everyone's faces melting. And this president or whatever thinks that he has schizophrenia or she has schizophrenia um, when really it's just the, another president in like some other country <laughs> activating mm-hmm. their fusiform face area. So like the, that's a whole level of like bioweapons and stuff. But but even that, like that's just, that's, you know, like that's, that's, that that's now. relatively tame stuff. Um, what? Like, like, well, in a way, if you, if you think about just like, you know, like any creepy. form of like torture throughout the ages, um, all of that has just been like kind of a hacky way to get at um, uh, intel, right? Mm-hmm. right? Like just, just, just the like, you know, like whatever unpleasant sensations you can induce in somebody. Um, like ultimately, uh, the the reason that you could induce those sensations is that, be- like, because you. Like you have a signal that mm. travels from the nerve to your brain, right? So right, anything right, right. that has been like done throughout human history, you could do that and tenfold um, if you have access to somebody's, to exactly. somebody's brain. You have uh, access to everything. Yeah, yeah. I, big, big tangent, but 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 um. Uh, so we got to be careful for what we wish for with BCI. The, the, there's like that's the scary thing. Yeah, yeah. The, there's this like um, entire uh, podcast I listened to recently. Um, Mine. Okay. <laughs> uh yours too uh, but no the, 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 this this was this this was um uh this was an episode of 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 martyr made by by gerald cooper it's basically this like four hour like four and a half hour episode 
where he just talked about all of the ways in which like the uh the soviet union and um uh, under stalin uh tortured its political prisoners right and it's like you know like it's 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 it, it gets pretty intense um I, you know so so uh would would i mean yeah like i definitely recommend that podcast to to, to people um if, if mm-hmm. they're if they're if they're curious about that uh but yeah no it's it's just like you know and imagine um, the app store so now anyone can do this right yeah no the um it, the the imp- I, I i think yeah, like if, if cybersecurity is important now, um, it, it's it's gonna it's gonna become way more yeah. way more uh, important in the future. Like this technology, I don't know how security and stuff scales over time. Like email in the beginning, no one spam didn't exist, but over time, spam existed when you know it became public and everything. Like if stuff like this will come up, which it will, because that's just humans. There's always gonna be people who screw us up, um, screw us over. Um, if that stuff scales up and we have BCI technology, it's almost like should that technology even exist if we don't have the necessary security, or do we have to wait until that stuff comes about? Like you don't, like you need to be careful. It's almost like do we actually want this technology if all these things mm. um, don't exist, right? Like I, no one wants to get brain hacked, and sure. even sure. if the tech is cool, I don't know if they'll use it. So yeah, yeah. I I, I mean I I'm. Like generally speaking, yeah, kind of. I don't know. I don't know if optimist would be the right word, but I'm pretty, like, enthusiastic about technology. Like, if we can do something, we should, we should, we should, we should try and do it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I think the thing that that maybe we should be we should be worried more about is is you know when we can't do something. Or when something stops working, or when it's just like you have a whole industry that all of a sudden stops doing interesting things, mm. uh, because like when you stagnate, uh, you 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 just die basically, um, and so. Uh, also, the well, businesses, yeah, e- 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 yeah, yeah, and 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 just in terms of uh, at least the way that, like our society currently works it kind of relies on uh you know this this sort of uh like exponential like technological growth right and it's like if if you're not if you're not innovating if you're not law, doing yeah. things then, then then something is something is wrong and and, and I, I mean like could we live in a world but without without um like you know technological advancement um all that stuff we could no. but to me that well 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 i i mean like perhaps right like we've done it before um, what when when did we stop technological advancements i mean if you if you look at the way that like humans have lived for for like the majority of human history right um it's it's been a pretty pretty consistent pretty consistent life now now, now maybe you could argue that well you were just at the at the like left tail of the exponential so it looks flat but it's actually like increasing slowly Right? Mm-hmm. But 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 still, it's like you know the the your knowledge throughout your life could be passed on to your kids, and they would live out more or less the same life, and then their kids would live out more or less the same life. Like let's say you're sure. yeah. you know farmers and someplace, right? And then um, the industrial revolution hits, and then we're now on this like you know on on the vertical part of the part of the exponential, and and um, right. Every generation um, is like from like physical living. labor to like yeah. cognitive labor now. 
yeah so so i think that yeah. this is just a more exciting world to live in it, it comes with its own challenges obviously but, yeah you know, that's uh that's just i guess the nature the of, trade-off of, yeah of of yeah li li living in this like fast uh, fast world i guess um exciting yeah 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 exciting um scary uh <laughs> i still think we're too early though like if i was born if we were born like 200 years in the future maybe we'll see some like app store and we can build stuff but i think like since we're alive at this present moment the space-time continuum we should make the most out of what exists and see from there because i say this analogy all the time like the planes when planes didn't exist, people said we we're gonna fly in like a thousand years, and then the what were the the guys that the Warner Brothers? No, Wright that's Brothers. a Wright Brothers, <laughs> Warner Brothers. The Warner so Brothers I, are, the, are the are the movie, the movie people. Yeah, I watched Space Jam yesterday, so that's why I'm. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, yeah, so the the Wright Brothers they invented like the plane, you know, years after people were saying, "Oh, we're never gonna fly" or whatever. So that might just be the case for this, but it's kind of different because it's our brain. So there we go. So he knows. Yeah, I'm just yeah. kind of scared for ads because ads rule the world, right? Like ads make so much money. They're Times Square. Imagine if ads just popped up when you're like just doing stuff, like in your visual field, you'll see ads for like Nike or something. That'd be crazy. Well, do you see any way around that? Like, um, is 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 there is there any way that 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 we could uh, escape from this world of like ads and what like what the internet has has become now and yeah, spam and, and 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 all that stuff? I I, I mean the, the the one the one thing that I think of is 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 maybe if we. Um, uh, you know, have some kind of like peer-to-peer -peer, like communication network. Um, Urbit, yes. <laughs> yeah, like um, Urbit. Uh, there are interesting things happening with Urbit. Um, Do you want to explain Urbit for people who don't know Urbit? Uh, sh sh sure, sure. Uh, I mean, um, you're the one who actually uses uh, Urbit, so I don't know. Um, maybe you could do a like a better job of of of, uh, of, sure. of that. But 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 well, just like I guess. Let me give you like a like like a like TLDR, a gist yeah. of like a, like a TLDR as somebody who doesn't use Urbit now and just poser Urbiter, yeah. From from the outside looking in, um, uh, so they're basically trying to create an alternative to the internet, and they're doing it uh, via uh, this kind of peer to peer system instead of you know having everything be centralized, having all your data like stored in some like database somewhere. Yep. Um, you uh, get your own computer. On this computer, you can either uh, you can either um, host it yourself, or or you know you can get them to host it for you. Um, and I mean the, the the crazy thing about Urbit is that they they they've basically like built everything from scratch. Like I think like um, yep. Uh, Curtis Yarvin. Curtis Yarvin. Curtis Yarvin sat Legend. in the room for 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 like uh, I don't know five, like half a decade maybe or something like this and 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 basically like Legend. wrote yeah um uh basically like the 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 uh, uh like new internet basically a decentralized internet system well network yeah yeah but but uh but like. Even even you know like under that like he basically created a computer from 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 scratch like he right. um like 
created his language, own, uh, I guess, language. equivalent of like, yeah, like assembly, which would be like Hoon. Um, and then he built 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 kind of like a a, a sort of like a like a functional uh, like user level programming language on top of that, and then he built an OS. Um, it's like crazy ambitious, right? Um, and so right now, I guess if you get yourself an Urbit account. Um, what, what, what is what does that what does that give you like the, there there's a, it, like there's a forum uh there, there are, there are right. different different pieces of software that people are like it's it's basically this completely different um world, just say like internet pretty yeah. much yeah like yeah. a new internet like a you new can internet. buy a planet you can buy a universe um or star and then from there you're just you don't have to rely on like big companies like google facebook whatever their servers to get an access to all of your data. So your privacy belongs to you and your private network. It's everything is run on your own computer and which other computers you're connected with. Um, and that like, for, I guess from a security standpoint is something that you would want to take into account for BCIs or anything brain related. You'd want to have a network um, of trusted systems that are not feeding into like, I guess a for-profit company that's uh capitalizing off of your data so like that's just the the future thinking of behind urbit but it as a network is nice you know you just have your own internet message other people and know that the data belongs to you and privacy is actually a thing that people we think we care a lot about privacy but our actions say otherwise like terms of service is a classic example if people really really cared about their privacy granted you know terms of service are kind of ridiculous like no one's gonna read a billion uh word document but just in general, people really cared about their privacy, then they would have done those things and changed things in that way. But um, I find people on Airbit actually really, really care about this um, like facet of, of browsing the internet and owning your data. So in that way, that's going to be a very important thing that we're going to be forced, or maybe not forced, um, to think about if we want to use technology like this, where our brain is on the stake for, for this. And that's the creepy thing is if you don't value your privacy now with your data double, which is kind of like ourselves, you know, like you, we met each other on Twitter, met other friends on Twitter, because in some way or form, um, we liked what other, the other person thought about, which is like inherently your identity. Um, imagine if you had that with something where your brain stuff was on hold um, and then you didn't value privacy, um, then other people would see everything about your mind. Um, so that thinking of maybe Urbit is not going to be the, the basis of BCI, obviously, who knows, but just that thinking of owning your own data and extending it to your mind and hopefully t touchless technology is something that we're going to have to seriously take into account. Otherwise, we're going to have the monopolies that we already have with all of these big companies owning everything. And now they'll actually own our brains, uh, which is creepy and kind of dystopian, but mm, that's something to think about. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so, yeah, like, um, Urbit is one example of an alternative approach to the internet. Um, uh, you know, but, 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 but the, but the, um, I mean, one of the downsides that, like, I've, I've seen with Urbit, for example, is that it, it's just, like they're literally recreating everything from scratch, and it and it just takes uh, a, like a long time to, mm -hmm. to to do so, right? Um, 
the capability of Urbit now is is nowhere near the capability of like, you know, uh, installing uh, Chrome on on your on your uh, like you know uh, Windows OS or whatever, and then and then just like having access to um, just all of these different websites, web apps, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy. It's very easy. It's very accessible. Uh, Urbit is, uh, you know, uh, and th- they are working on this, but you know, like as it stands, it's kind of the opposite of of, of easy and accessible. Um, kind of like the crypto scene in like the in the early days. It was just like a few people sure. just working on this, and people did not care. They're like, "Why are you spending all this time and energy on this stuff? Like, too much energy. We already have. If we're talking cryptocurrency, we already have banks. Like, money is good enough." Um, yeah, you just need a, a select few people working on this stuff, usually alone, to get stuff like this working. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it seems promising for what we're thinking of in terms of BCI and mm-hmm. just privacy and mm-hmm. like blockchains and stuff in general. Yeah, 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 no, that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's been um, like really fun um, uh, talking to you. And, Likewise. And, uh, and uh, thanks for thanks for coming on to the show. Uh, hopefully, we can we can uh, we can do this again sometime soon. Um, sure. Yes. And uh, uh, yeah, uh, is 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 there any any place that you would like to like uh, uh, you know uh, point people um, your uh, my well, socials so your, your 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 socials your website my data doubles your, your yeah um, all of that uh, as always will be will be linked in the sh- in, the, in the show notes. Yeah, sure. Twitter at Yasmin Brain, Y A S M E N Brain. Um, what else? I have a podcast at the Brain Pod. You can also find that on my Twitter. I talk about the brain. It's it's currently getting rebranded in season three, so hopefully I will be meeting different people in the brain space and trying to think more about this. Um, we have like a BCI weekly group chat where we meet up and talk about the brain. So if you want maybe access to that, depends. Uh, you can also reach out to Savo or me. Um, well, that would be cool. Yeah, I, I could. I can maybe put the Discord uh, invite link in the uh, in, in the in the description or something. If if, if somebody wants, yeah, to. sure. Or, or or I don't know. Or just like if they uh, reach we'll, out, we'll, that could we'll be cool. Out. Yeah, uh, DM any so of us. Some um, ATP expenditure behind the the advancement. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, if if you want to get involved in that, uh, we'll, we'll we'll be yeah uh, glad glad to have you. Always looking for more uh, yeah. you know thoughtful people to like who are pick their brains. People. I know people don't like that you know, impression yeah. expression, but we will pick your brains. Yeah, well, so that we, we we well just a like a little brief thing about that. Like we mm. so we meet once a week, and then and then there's also been talk about like you know uh, doing certain projects, collaborating on certain. On certain projects, there, there, there's a there's a hackathon, uh, for example, that there were there were uh, that that some of us are, are participating in soon. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, plenty of opportunities to like get involved in the space if you want to. Yeah, definitely. I think network is like a small thing, and network is huge in terms of this stuff. Like, I think that sometimes you can feel alone and think that you can't really do anything. Um, and you can think of like all the innovation, at least when you read history and books and things that all the innovation was in the ages of like Newton and Da Vinci, where they would have all these <laughs> stuff. But I think now like we have access to so many people, like it's amazing. Meet other lovely people, come up with different ideas, capitalize on their different skill sets and see what you can come up with and learn about yourself and what you want to contribute to the world. So like yeah. always reach out and and see what you can make of it because 
it's just fun and friends so yeah yeah if you want to be friends reach out <laughs> history is cool. far from over um yeah cool okay well uh thanks for thanks for coming on and uh yeah, thank will, you uh, talk to you later